0: Hello and welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the modern podcast for the modern entrepreneur. And this is Priscilla McKinney. And I have a fantastic guest for you today from across the pond. Welcome Tim Hughes.
1: Scylla, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm amazed and excited about being here.
0: Well, we had so much fun last time we were together, and it was the first time we met in person. So we had such a blast. I have been looking forward to this all week. So
1: yeah, it's one of those strange things, actually, because I meet loads of people on social. Um, I've just written the forward uh, for someone's book, and and I wrote in the forward the fact that I've known them for, for a couple of years. I know that they're, you know, I know that their husband, I know their children, um, and I know all kinds of things about them. But they're twelve thousand miles away, and I've never met them. Interesting. Where, where, whereas I, I kind of met you. I mean, we we met in London when you were over, and we met at the Savoy, um, and we had a lovely lunch. And and it was one of those things where, where we haven't really sort of like discuss things on social for a long time and then met we kind of met straight away so
0: yeah it was but but it was was a fun fun. session well that was fun and also you brought along um uh um adam with you um adam gray and uh he's going to be on our uh, podcast uh, later on in the year and so we'll kind of get the we'll get the two bookends here but you're right let's go back to the excellent excellent lunch let's yes. just let's just talk about that you know gone are the days where the marketers get to sit around and just have martini lunches all the time, but I felt like we brought we brought back the golden day for just a, just a moment. It was lovely
1: <laughs> yes yeah, so for those that don't know the Savoy is a is a very um old, what I would call old money hotel mm-hmm. in london um and it's art deco. Uh, and and they've restored it they they had a big restoration of it a couple of years ago and they've restored it to its original art deco splendor so if you if you are an Ec- art deco fan um it's well worth just going there and um paying the money to have a cream tea or something
0: right or a fantastic lunch whatever. Yes. <laughs> with awesome people who actually want to talk shop about like the best things in our industry.
1: <laughs> and- well, well there's nothing like talking about social. I mean, I work in social. I mean, I, I for me this is living the dream because I love social. I'm so passionate about it and and I'm able to to talk to people and and work with people and and you know, I think we're getting Adam and I set up in business uh, 8 months ago and we we seem to be attracting, you know, the best minds certainly in the UK around social. And there's 12 mm-hmm. of us now. Mm-hmm. And we we talk about social all day, which is, you know, it's it's amazing.
0: Well, and you both have books. So we're going to talk a little bit about yeah. your book. But before we get started uh, too much, I like to start with my interview guest to give everybody a little bit of uh, personal info. So we start with a fun fact. It's kind of, it's really a Venn diagram. And um, I post this funny Venn diagram that I like. I, I, I just like Venn diagrams. So over here on this side, these are the things that are exclusive to me over here, the thing that is exclusive to you and what we share in the middle. And so uh, obviously there's a lot of things that you and I share in the middle, and that includes all kinds of socials about being uh, LinkedIn uh, pros, about really understanding why and where. So we have a lot in common right there in the middle. But um, so give me a fun fact on the outside that I don't know about you and that I couldn't possibly have in common with you.
1: Um, w- well, there's so much I share about my life on, on social that it would be, it, it's kind of sometimes difficult to come up with anything, <laughs> but uh, for those that don't know me, I'm, I collect vinyl records mm-hmm. and I have about 2000.
0: <laughs> uh, okay. Top, top three, top three. Is it possible? Oh, um,
1: see, I, I'm, I'm an old rocker. So anything by Led Zeppelin and, and I'm happy really. So, nice. uh, yeah, we've got a whole load of bands coming over to to London in the summer. So Guns N' Roses and Depeche Mode. And, and, and so my June and July are kind of booked out with, with ruining My Earring.
0: <laughs> I love it. Oh, who needs it anyway? <laughs> yeah. Well, on one of my past episodes, uh, I talked with my producer about some of the top uh, music and uh, Led Zeppelin definitely is up there for me. But uh, I mean, it, Freddie Mercury. What, I mean, what what else can you say? I mean, is that a voice that gets it for you? Well, he,
1: he I mean, I really miss him. I, I miss, you know, I, saw, I listened to, uh, Killer Queen came on the radio the other day. Mm. And I thought, you know, um, she keeps the Moe Shondon in a pretty cabinet. No. <laughs> Who would come up with lyrics like that? Mm-hmm. Only Freddie Mercury. And I right. miss that.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Uh, I, I went to see um, Queen with um, Adam Lambert um, about probably about 12 months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is. Adam is actually, because he's, he doesn't try to be Freddie, he is Adam. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was amazing, just hearing all this stuff live. It really was a sight to be seen, really.
0: Well, you know, there are very few people who can figure out how to use the words Mary Antoinette in a song and still yes. pull it off in a rock venue, right? I know. I know. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, here's my fun fact. I was talking the other day with a client and you know, we specialize in the B2B world with digital and social. And I was talking with a translator company and is so funny, a fun little fact about me came up and I had to admit to them um when I was a kid I used to put little headsets on um you know like the ones you'd get from the reading programs you remember these used to plug into tape recorders you know what i'm talking yeah. about so they yeah, you know yeah. not what we you and i are wearing today yeah <laughs> not that fancy but i used to pretend that i was a un translator <laughs> <laughs> So you know where maybe when you were growing up maybe you were thinking about being a policeman or a you know fire you know a, a fireman or something like that. you was actually a DJ. <laughs> oh, a DJ. That's what you. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah that's of course. What I to do when I was that complete, up. Yeah, that completely jumpy, yeah. that completely falls in line with everything for you. So yeah, well, cool. Let's talk about um, the meat of, of what we want to do today because you are uh, um, just a wealth of information. I. I have an issue sometimes with business books, and my basic issue is that most of them tend to be something you could have told me in eight pages, and yet you fluffed it out into 200 just so you could sell me a book, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm just going to tell you, I did not feel that way about your book at all. <laughs> um, wow. Wow. It was, um, talk about, like, getting down to... It, it, you're it's an interesting mix of helping people think differently, change their mindset, and then helping them do differently. But I think people tend to just go, oh, this is a how-to book. Well, that's that's only one side of what needs to happen. And I think a lot of the things that you bring up in your book is, yes, you, you have techniques. That's certainly a, a piece of it. But I think that you deal with the issue of the mindset that needs to change along with those techniques. And I think that's a big key. So I'm just going to tell my readers uh, what this is, but it's social selling techniques to influence buyers and change makers. And that's an interesting concept I want to get into a little bit. Um, But let's talk a little bit about your day to day so people understand where you're coming from, what you're doing. And then I just have a few questions about, you know, where your finger is on the pulse of what's going on in social and business and certainly in some of the global companies you're working for. So um let let's start there. Why why this book? Why why did you why did you take the amazing amount of time that it takes to sit down and write it. And I will say you wrote it with Matt Reynolds, so I don't yes. want to leave him out of that completely, but why this book?
1: Matt was somebody else that I met over social and we we met up and we were having a a uh, coffee in London and we were getting tired with the the narrative around social and social selling and the fact that nobody was driving it forward. In fact, what we'd found was that the the discussion about social selling had gone backwards, or that was our opinion. There was a lot of people that would kind of, yeah, I want to jump on the social selling bandwagon, and then they kind of went back to what their day jobs were, which was, you know, talking about prospecting or whatever, but Mm -hmm. kind of old school. And what we wanted to do was, so drive the discussion about social selling forward. And in the discussions that we had with the uh, publisher, Kogan Page, was that th- they went out and did some research and they said, there's loads of books on um, uh, personal branding. We don't want that. And that, actually that uh, conference call was an epitheme uh, moment for me, which is, no, it's not that. So we, we knew that we had to have an element of why you need to do it in the book. Mm-hmm. But everything else was to do with how.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, the way that we structured the, the book was that, uh, every chapter, one person would write the chapter, and we would brainstorm the chapter on a whiteboard, and then we would um, the person would go and write the chapter. Mm-hmm. And and the first chapter that we wrote, I'd gone to a meeting that day, and a sales director had leant lent over the desk and said to me, this is social selling is all, all very well, but where are the leads? And I, I miss that word beginning with F out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, <laughs> and that from Matt and I was that every chapter that we wrote, we had to give a practical Description to the people that were reading it about how they would generate leads or meetings and and Mm -hmm. such like. Mm -hmm. Um, But we wanted it to be something, a workbook that people would take off the shelf take something from it and then put it back and then take it from the shelf like in a month's time and we feel that we've we've generated that.
0: Well I feel you do too because you deal with the how and I do feel like you can take it down and okay let me try this okay let me work on this let me this is this is a a cumulative effect that it has but I also feel that you know social changes over time um, and I do think some of the the principles that you've tackled in terms of changing people's mindsets about how to use it it basically has taught people how to think it has that element to it so as things change i still feel confident that i can take these these concepts and still bring them into new new techniques or bring them into you know new channels and i mean you know how quickly everything is changing for us in social
1: yeah it does and and i and i think that the the book was published you know now about 10 months ago Mm -hmm. and I still think it stands up Uh and I still see you know that there's certain I agree with you there's certain techniques that you need to master which I think are are probably going to be ones that are going to stay around for a number of years Mm -hmm. you know my belief in in the the fact that you need to create and can create influence Uh the fact that we need to be working in communities um, or sometimes people would call that tribes, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I and I see that you know I I had an email about it today about you know working in tribes and and the fact that as human beings we like to work as a collective and we've always formed groups whether it's uh, associations or or, or or having meetings or whether it's scouts or there's, there's always we've always worked together as people right. And there's always that one plus one equals three situation when we work together as teams.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I think what we need to do is is take that into a marketing perspective and, and you know and work as communities and have customers and prospects that will work with each other um, for the common good. I know that kind of sounds a bit sort of like hippie and, and that, but it <laughs> but it actually has business
0: context. It does have business context. And you mentioned the first thing was. That, you know, you were talking with people and they're saying, well, social's all well and good, but where are the leads? And so those are some of the reasons why people stop, you know, trying this out. And so, you know, I'd like to hear from you what were some of the other reasons why people either failed or what are common reasons that people that you've seen that people give up on using social and using it properly and getting really to the point where it's, it really has, um, a, you know, it is producing something for them.
1: Someone came to me recently and said, you know, was, talked about a particular large American corporation that had a social selling program when they'd given up. And, and I went, well, yeah, because, you know, for the following reasons, one, they didn't get any buy in from a, a senior level.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: and quite often, that's because the, the people at the senior level don't understand social or haven't had it explained to them. Um, so immediately what happens is that you have well-meaning people that will try and run some sort of social selling program. And because there's no none of this senior buy-in, it, it kind of bumps along. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I, I wrote a, a blog recently about how social selling was a bit like going to the gym, which was that, you know, you you can read as many books as you want about getting fit and losing weight, but you can sit them reading them on the sofa. It doesn't actually change your your behavior. You know, at the end of the day, we all know that if we want to lose weight, we have to exercise and we have to eat less. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, oh, my and, gosh. Don't spill that truth here. People don't uh, want to hear yeah, that. Sorry, truth. sorry. I
1: know that's a bit <laughs> revolutionary. Now, I, I also have a personal trainer, which is if, you know, if it wasn't for Matt, you know, he's the one that, you know, I I would go and pick the 12. Kilogram weights, and he immediately mm-hmm. gets the 15 ones and, and mm-hmm. hands them to me. And, it, and it, he's always pushing me. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes what we find in organizations is that they're not, is that there's too much of, yeah, we can do this in house, rather than actually saying, well, why don't we get an expert in? Because actually, this will cut some of the lag. I mean, there's a lot of people that say to me, social selling, yeah, it's all very interesting, but it takes ages to, to get leads. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's not the case.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: when, you know, after training people yesterday, We immediately saw a response. Mm -hmm. This is not three months later after the training period. It's twelve hours,
0: right?
1: And I think there's there's an expectation that sometimes that social or or social selling takes a long time. You know, I've contacted people. I contacted a sales director on a Wednesday. Um, I had a meeting with him the week after.
0: Right, right.
1: If you're building your personal brand you know when when i contacted this sales director he would have done a number of things he would have come to look at my linkedin profile he would have come to a number of conclusions about looking at my profile about whether i was authentic trustful you mm-hmm. would want to do business with and mm-hmm. he obviously jumped to a conclusion that he actually should meet with me right and i think sometimes P- people miss that because they're looking for some silver bullets um, <laughs> around social. And whereas you know you can actually get a fast response. I'm clicking my fingers. If the funny noise mm-hmm. on the microphone, I'm, uh, there's a, you know, you can get a fast response by selling by using social. And and I and I often say to people who are cold callers, I can get higher than you in organisations faster by using social.
0: And that is really um, has to be tied. Into strategy, correct? Because if people don't know who they're going out after, then it, you know their attempts at social media, you know, won't work. And I I run into this all the time. I know we talked about this over lunch. How frustrating that is! Is a lot of people are saying, well, social. You know, uh, social media doesn't work for social selling, but they don't they hadn't originally clearly defined what their goals were wish list or who they want to, or what you know who they want to reach or at what level in the company they need to reach. And when they don't have those things clear, they're just really going out there and just you know, using a shotgun, you know, to use a nice American expression, <laughs> yeah. doing a shotgun do approach. Yourself, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, we do. And I'm like right in the middle. So I can really testify to this. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's, you know, I love that you said that third point, which is that a lot of times people and companies fail at this because they don't hire experts to do it. And obviously, we're a podcast. we two people who are experts who get hired to do this very thing. Um, but it that's because we believe it. We we know that it's not like you can just put LinkedIn in front of, in front of somebody and they'll just figure it out tomorrow. There is a lot of art and there's a lot of science, you know, to it. There's both sides to it, and I feel like even in your book you address both sides to it. But it is not as easy as people think. But I like what you're saying. It also. It really doesn't have to be that hard either. There's a nice balance in between. If you know what you're going for, then you can actually make a strategy and and use it use it properly. Would you agree yeah, with that?
1: Yeah, I, I do. I do, Priscilla, and I, you know, you're you're right that I guess it's like any prospecting or sales prospecting. You've got to do your research. Mm-hmm. I train a lot of people who are of a similar age to me, who who didn't grow up with social, and and really, all I'm doing. And really all I'm doing in my book, as far as I'm I'm concerned, is taking everything that I learnt in the analogue world, which is, you know, I've been selling for 25, 27 years, picking that up and putting it into a, a modern social world. Mm-hmm. I kind of don't really see the difference. Well, there is a difference, which is that in social I can do it faster and I can scale quicker and mm-hmm. I can reach more people at less cost. Mm-hmm. So in a social, in modern world... I think that there's far more opportunity for marketers and sellers.
0: Mm-hmm. And you just hit on something else there that I, you know, we discussed in the past too, which I I really agree with, and that is that you know these aren't skills that uh, really great salespeople didn't have already. This is just a megaphone to great sales skills. So if you were very good, a very good salesperson, and very good at connecting with people and Being genuine and being helpful in an analog world, this is now social selling is now this amazing megaphone for you. Scale quicker, reach more people, reach the right people quicker. I mean, talk about blowing through gatekeepers. You know, it's such an amazing tool. But I I typically have heard, even from some people at our level, oh, it's a different person who, you know, does well on, on the digital side of social selling. And that does not ring true to me.
1: The, the, actually, the people that I find are the best social sellers are people who are actually really good networkers.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, So the people that went to networking breakfasts or networking lunches Mm -hmm. and and went along with the business cards and swapped business cards, those are generally people that I find are the best or tend to get it quicker. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I train a lot of people in their uh, 20s that you would see as millennials in social selling.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And that's quite often because people of that age see social as a, as a social tool rather than the business commerce. Thing. Right. So, you know, I'm, you know, let's all meet down, down the pub at seven o'clock on a Saturday night. And I've sat you know, trained people around, you know, LinkedIn and they go, well, I'm not really on LinkedIn. I don't mm-hmm. really see it as, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, Instagram and something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then when you show them a the power of, of, for example, one of our guys, Alex, one of our LinkedIn experts, you know, he, he wrote a, a blog about how learning golf and social selling was very similar Mm -hmm. posted that obviously he's got a an up-to-date very uh biocentric profile (laughs) and by doing that and contacting people and obviously people coming and then looking at his profile and seeing that he knows his stuff you know we've got meetings from it
0: Mm yeah Uh,
1: and, and that is meetings you know within days you know it's the equivalent of you know this is really like using social as a as a cold calling replacement i'm not Mm -hmm. advocating that i think we have to use uh, you know in terms of prospecting we need to use whatever prospecting tools we've got but this thing about social and it takes a long time it's it's a it's a
0: myth you're doing it wrong right right well, i call. love that okay you heard it here first yeah <laughs> well let's talk a little bit about um two things that you talk about in your book um about the difference of influencing buyers and influencing change makers so give us a yeah. quick breakdown uh, because i do find that um a lot of people are focused on creating a plan around the buyer, but let's throw it from there. And I want people to understand where you're coming from, from the difference between buyers and change makers.
1: Okay. Well, I think sometimes as sellers, we get too we get too caught up in in how great we are as salespeople, and and, yeah. and forget <laughs> the fact that actually this is a buying process,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the buyers now, because of the internet, can actually um, dodge around us and and not talk to us mm-hmm. and so from a buying perspective and i sometimes people seem to have a, a difficulty with this I, you know when i bought a car the last thing that i wanted to do was go and talk to a car salesman i mean maybe you have really great car sales people in the us but in the uk they're, they're just people that i've wanted to avoid
0: this is I universal letters,
1: this is a global truth in when fact when we as buyers when we buy things we we will try and avoid talking to salespeople because right. we have this view in our heads of this you know walking brochure that just wants to tell you about the product rather than and, and broadcast stuff rather than actually listen to what you've got to say and, and understand your requirements. So buyers now have the power to to not talk to us salespeople. So as salespeople, we need to kind of reinvent ourselves to, to be buyer friendly mm-hmm. and put ourselves in our our buyer shoes and understand that. When I'm buying, um, if, if, you know, if I'm making, whether it's a car or whether I'm, I'm buying a new set of um, Bluetooth headphones, when I start the buying process, I probably don't know anything about Bluetooth headphones. I, I bought some Bluetooth headphones, and I knew nothing about them. Mm-hmm. So what do I do? Well, I go on the Internet, and I start, I start asking people about it. So, and, and, and researching, and then the next thing I do is I go, you know, I bumped into a friend I said, you've got some Bluetooth headphones, what have you got? Well, I've got these, and I think they're really good, and this is the why, and and then I talk to somebody else, and they go, and, and so, not only are we doing research, but we're also talking to people that we know that have got these things and taking advice, mm-hmm. and this is where I talk about in my book about the fact that everybody has influence, mm and everybody actually is an influencer you know i know we're not all um or something like that but (laughs) the fact that people are coming to you and say you know you've got a um you've got a ford i'm thinking of buying a ford where's the best place to buy one Mm -hmm. and and i know that um, a customer of ours was talking about how his wife wanted to buy a new car and she went on to facebook and you know there was three choices and then Then what she did was actually said, what's the best dealership? And people then jumped in and started saying, yeah, I think you need to go to this one in Cambridge. Um, uh, So all of those things are available to us, Mm -hmm. Um, not just the information, but our ability to go and buy. And and so so what's the point from sellers? Sellers, you need to be fire friendly and you need to be where your buyers are. And in fact, Asking the questions.
0: Oh, see, asking the questions is something that I think people gloss over. You know, I talk about this in terms of like a, the cocktail party effect. Like, who is it? You, who Be the person that you want to meet at a cocktail party. Could you just not regale somebody with all the things you want to say? But can you engage with, with someone in an interesting way? But specifically to what you're saying is that element of listening that does not happen a whole lot. In the buyer seller dance, right? Yeah, um,
1: we don't walk into cocktail parties and stand there and door, you know, and go, "Hi, there, everybody! It's Tim Hughes, and I've got thirty percent off." <laughs> you, you know, everyone who would like look at the shoes and and, and security be, would be called, and you'd be <laughs> gradually taken away. I mean, you just wouldn't do that.
0: What was the nuance of the difference um, about changemakers? I thought this was a really powerful part of your book. So tell my listeners about how we influence and interact with changemakers differently in social selling.
1: Okay, so so first I need to explain what a changemaker is. Perfect. So, so we use some research that was created by Google uh, back in November 2014, and I still think it's very current. This research says that uh, and I'm not saying that all organizations are like this, but pretty much the research says that people in senior management positions in organizations don't really understand what's going on in in the world today. Mm-hmm. they don't understand social and they've kind of read something about Uber in the back of an in flight magazine, but they kind of <laughs> don't really get it and what they've done is that they've delegated not certain not not saying decision making but Um, you know there'll be a decision uh, right we need a new telephone system and what they do is that they come out of the office and say right um i want you to get a a new telephone system and and this type of person that they've they're now delegating things to is generally between the age of 28 and 35 now i'm not being ageist this is the the Mm -hmm. research but it's important um the reason why they, they say this, and Google say that this person has business acumen but also understands social. Okay. And Google say that there was a transformation that took place probably about 20, I think it's probably nearly 30 years ago, which happened in society that, that we probably don't reali- realize that happened, which is text messaging. <laughs> the thing that changed society with text messaging is that it's a very cheap easy way to ask questions
0: mm-hmm. i mean can you even imagine your life right now without text messaging
1: well well yes yeah. so so for example when when i was at school you know if if um you were given physics homework you'd get home and and if you couldn't do it you kind of asked your parents and they wouldn't know and then the only thing that you could do was get into school early and 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 copy it off somebody else <laughs> um, now what you're able to do is you're able to text a mate Mm-hmm. And so we have this whole group of people that are used to, in society, asking their networks questions.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and that's really one of the things that have changed, which, which we don't really talk about. We we talk a lot about, as I said earlier on, buyers going on searching on the internet, but there are also people going on and asking questions. Right. And, th- and this type of person that we call the change maker is... In, in sales, we always said that we needed to have what we would say was an internal salesperson, which is still the case. But now, in most sales situations, we're probably selling something that an organization has, has already got. Or in a situation that when we're, what we're selling requires that organization to change in some shape or form. And this particular person, uh, this change maker, is someone that we need to seek out. Now, they're not like the internal salesperson which kind of that wants your solution and kinda goes along with it and and wants to be your friend. In <laughs> fact, when you go to have the meeting with this change maker, you will probably find that this person gives you a difficult meeting. Mm, wow. Because what they're looking for is whether your solution will change. And whether they want to promote your solution, which they're going to run their career off the back of, et cetera, et cetera,
0: <laughs> exactly. and use
1: a lot of internal internal capital to support it. So when they, you know, so often what happens is you go for a meeting and go, that was terrible. You know, that slide deck that we used was a waste of time. They tore it apart. It's only because they're trying to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. And often salespeople think that that's a bad thing a, a bad meeting is a bad thing rather than actually a bad meeting can actually be a good thing
0: yeah and that's about understanding really like who is this person trying to impress and what 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 is the stake they have in the game it is very different from the person who ultimately made choose to buy or not but without getting an audience you know with this change maker you cannot, in many situations, you cannot get to the, you know, the final decision. It, 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 it's, it's a very nuanced piece of, I think, a, could be a massive, massive uh, difference of success on social selling if people just understand how unique this changemaker position is.
1: Yeah, so, so we wrote this, um, and then I read the book um, by CEB called The Challenger Customer,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So I have to say that I wrote the book and then read The Challenger Customer.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And actually in The Challenger Customer by CEB, and and I'm good friends with the guys at CEB, is that they actually have similar research Mm -hmm. and they call the person a a mobilizer. And I just had a call with somebody who uh, phoned me up and um, they actually, um, they were paid by a very large American IT company to work out why they weren't making their number and what they could do about it. And funnily enough, he rang me up because he came with a, came up with a conclusion which this American company basically said was a load of rubbish. And he read my book and actually said that's, what, that's the answer to my research.
0: Wow.
1: And he said it was like I needed – he said when I read your book, I had to ring you and talk to you because, you know, I got paid to do this research. Mm-hmm. They rejected the research. But actually the conclusion that I came to is exactly what you said in my book. Mm-hmm. This is what's happening currently online. Right. People buying, which we've already talked about from a buying perspective. And there is this person that we that we can't find in an organization
0: mm-hmm.
1: that this American company doesn't get put on short lists.
0: Right. Well, and I think, you know, that just goes to show why I love the book, too, is because I'm in this every day. I do. Yeah, yeah, These exactly. are the conclusions I'm coming to. This is, yeah, yeah. this I, wasn't, in some ways, it wasn't a shock. I mean, it's well put together, but, you know, it, nothing was a shock to me. And that tells me, yes, this is true. And this is why you have to have the right techniques because this, there's no changing this. This is just a fact. This is the way the world is. This is how people operate. So it, there's no going yeah, back. It
1: is. And, you know, this, trying change makers is difficult. Mm-hmm. They don't have a job title. Um, and it's their own internal psyche about why they will want to promote you. Mm-hmm. And again, it, I, I must say, this is not the internal coach or the salesperson. This is somebody that it's that they don't have an affiliation to a particular product or a particular su- supplier. They're doing it for their career. And I guess, you know, we, we, I was taught as a salesperson that you always need to go in and, and ask the question, so what are you going to get out of this? Mm-hmm and and that's kind of one of the questions that you could you you should be asking people about uh, but 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 if you haven't got a change maker in deals in your pipeline that pipeline is at risk because if i'm competing with you and i find that change maker you've
0: lost right yeah absolutely and you don't see it coming that's the other thing with yeah, the change you makers yeah Wow. Well, I'm just telling you, if you are a senior VP, if you are a marketing director, if you're involved in um, sales, if you're a sales executive, if you're a sales manager, if you're a VP of business development... I could go on but you need to read this book. <laughs> um it's Social Selling Techniques to Influence Buyers and Change Makers um Tim Hughes, Matt Reynolds. Tim and I could talk all, all all day long, I guarantee you, but we would have to break for excellent um food, probably some way and Shandon too. So <laughs> um we'll go find it in the cabinet. Um so is there anything, Tim, that you wish could change about what's going on in the industry? Can you have, give me a, like a last thought about what you wish people were doing?
1: Yeah, I, 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 socials is just, just a transformational, uh, a, a massive transformational uh, technology. I mean, we as an organization think it's, you yeah, know, we've had transformational technologies in the past like Steam and, and um, and we think that transformation is, is the thing that's really going to define this decade mm-hmm. um, more than things like artificial intelligence. I, you know, if there's some research that just came out that there are now more people on the world on the Internet than not on the Internet. Wow. And and of that, 30 um, percent of the people are. Um, uh, are on social and, 100 and 110 million people joined social in the last three months. It's about 17 a second. Wow. That and, is and, a crazy and, you know, stat. Is, yeah, yeah. And this is not something that's going to go away. It's not something that, you know, we can put our blinkers on them Puts our head, our heads in the sand, you know. This social is here to stay, right. and what we need to do is we need to get on it and we need to understand it, um, and then we need to improve what we're doing. And 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 as I say, you know, so, social. If you're in sales, you need to be on social, and you can you can get meetings and you can accelerate your pipeline by being on social.
0: I love it. So tell my listeners uh, where they can find you, how you like to connect, and I know you're you're a prolific tweeter.
1: <laughs> I, I am, yes. Yeah. So on Twitter, I'm Timothy underscore Hughes, so T-I-M-O-T-H-Y underscore Hughes, H-U-G-H-E-S. You should be able to find me on LinkedIn. I'm Timothy Hughes or Tim Hughes. And, and uh, you know, please contact me. Please um, connect with me. Please follow me. And I'm always open to having conversations. You know, if you c- connect with me, then, you know, have a, let's have a chat. You know, if you buy my book, and, and, and I hope you do, uh, there is a part in the book where I actually ask you to send me a selfie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, let, let's start a communication. There are people, um, lots of people that I have friendships with um, where we, we've talked about the book and, and we have discussions and we have calls and, and all kinds of stuff. So, you know, it, it, there isn't some sort of pretense or something like that. I I love the engagement and I love the conversations and please reach out and connect with me.
0: Well, I can vouch for that because that's exactly what I did. And I I forgot there, you know, when you mentioned that about the selfie thing. um, Also, you I remember that in reading the book, we discovered that you and I are a big fan of word swag. So (laughs) that was unusual. You know, I don't usually find people who are are as um, enamored with it as I am. So that's awesome. Well, Timothy, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I can't wait till I'm in London again and we can, you know, let's go check out some other swanky place.
1: Yeah, we should do that, Priscilla. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Thanks for having me on. You know, talking about social, I'm living the dream.
0: (laughs) I love it. Let's all live the dream. Hey, this is Priscilla McKinney with Timothy Hughes um, for the Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. This has been a modern podcast for a modern entrepreneur. Hope you've gotten a lot of great value out of it today and have a great day. (laughs)